0: Is the loneliest number, and this week that lonely number gets, gets into some trouble, at least in horror movies. This is the Fright Club Podcast. Welcome. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And we are from madwolf.com. And uh, yeah, it's all about the single parent horror. Uh, how long has this one been cooking up? Did you just think of this recently? I
1: just did. Actually, it's funny. I was talking to my friend Angela, and she was just kind of, she likes horror films, and she was just kind of naming off the ones that recently scared her the most. And it occurred to me A, she's a single parent, and B, all of the movies that scared her the most involve single parents. And I thought, bing, mm. bing, 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 bing. Here's a list.
0: <laughs> there it is. Yeah. So that's what we're looking at this week. And by the way, if I sound a little hoarse, please excuse me. I was screaming much too much during that Game 7 of the World Series, and I'm still still recovering from that. Actually, I think it's gotten, Still mourning. Yeah, well, that's true. I think uh, I've gotten worse today, but uh, if you hear a little scratchy, that's what it's from. So thanks to the Cleveland Indians for a great ride. It was fun, and, you know, congrats to the Cubs, I guess. <laughs> but uh, if we have to know, it was, it was a great, exciting series. Just didn't quite turn out the way we wanted. But we did uh, have some good fun and some good feedback, some good nerdery. With last, <laughs> with last week's uh, Fright Club podcast, when animals attack, especially from... And I knew it would when we talked about Cujo. That's Stephen King. That's our buddy NACMAX Territory, so he came out for Cujo.
1: That's right. Neil McRobert, if you remember, did the Stephen King podcast with us, and it was a really good one because he is an expert, actually, in the area. And uh, you brought up that you believed Cujo is referenced in a bunch of other Stephen King and immediately upon posting this, Knack Mag said, King Geek to the rescue. Just like an animal, he attacked. <laughs> so you're correct. According to him, it's mentioned in the Dead Zone, Pet Cemetery, Needful Things, Tommy Knockers, wow. The Body, Stand By Me. That's I should have known that. And then uh, while he still loves Monkey Shines, he had actually a great, he said, White God is better than Cujo. And we don't. I didn't even know that. Didn't movie. even
0: know about it. Looked it up, and it looks interesting. It's just from 2014, foreign film, and one person described it as a fascinating mix of uh, Lassie and the birds. Nice. So I'm, I'm down in. for that. Thank yeah. you for that. We're going to look that
1: up. White God, uh, and we also got a comment from Tom Howard. Yeah. Right. He just made a joke that he assumed because one of our rules was they weren't they couldn't be mutants. That might be another podcast entirely, but they had to just be regular old animals and so he thought that must be the reason why the giant bunnies Night of the Lepus, oh Lepus? My. didn't make it. From
0: 1972, um, Janet Lee is in that movie and Rory Calhoun, Rory Calhoun and Bones DeForest Kelly from uh, the Star Trek TV show and movies is in that too. Yeah, mutant rabbits. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> we, we we could do mutants sometime. That's a good.
1: Yeah, no, we totally should. Or,
0: or just mutant, you know, just mutant animals. Yeah. Uh, that that could be a good. Did I hear the ding, ding, ding go off? For a, for a future podcast. All right. So also, we have to um, plug again that we've got our next edition of Fright Club Live coming up here soon.
1: Wednesday night. It is
0: this Wednesday night, the uh, day after the election. Yeah. So, you know, depending on where you stand, could it be celebrating or drowning your sorrows. And uh, that's going to be Wednesday night right back on High Street, uh, Columbus, at the Gateway Film Center. And we start in the Torpedo Room, groovy little place for a happy hour. And then we move it into the theater at 7.30. We start the happy hour about 6.30, move into the theater about 7.30, and we're going to do our podcast of our favorite weirdos.
1: In horror. In horror. Not just, <laughs> not just random weirdos no, that we love.
0: No, the favorite weirdos who show up. Right. That's we're just going <laughs> to give you
1: guys uh, medals. You're uh, my favorite weirdo. <laughs>
0: Favorite weirdos, so that's going to be fun. And then we're going to watch one of them, and that is May, the movie May, which is fun. Uh, we're going to see that on the big screen, so please come out. That is Wednesday the 9th. You can get more information, of course, uh, on our Facebook page, uh, Mad Wolf Columbus, on Facebook. So today, it's one is the loneliest number. It is the best, or our favorite, top five in single-parent horror. And it is top five, right? We We waffled a little bit there. When I reminded you of one. That you, you, ha- you did. Yeah. I can't
1: believe I didn't think of that one. So thank you very much. And, yeah. and so maybe we'll just throw a mention to what was at number five.
0: Okay. So well, you want to start with five then? Uh, at five is the one that I get credit for mentioning because you forgot. And we've every time we talk about this movie, we talk about what a bad mom the main character is. And it is from 2002, The Ring.
1: Because heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it. You start to play it, and it's like somebody's nightmare. And as soon as it's over, your phone rings. And what they say is, you will die in seven days. I watched the tape.
0: Yeah, not the mother of the year. No. In this movie at all.
1: No, Naomi Watts. She's great in it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, she's great in it. And uh, her character is a single parent, but she's kind of ignoring her precocious son because she's in search of this great story uh, that, that really she stumbles upon when her niece dies horrifically. Um, and then, of course, you know the whole story. There's a videotape, and it's pretty great, actually, what you watch on the videotape. And then you get this creepy phone call, and then seven days later, you die horribly. You know, the whole time, her... So she has put her own son at risk. And uh, and so then as a fight against the clock, not just to save her own life, but to save the life of her son.
0: Yeah, and every time we talk about this, uh, I mentioned that, the like, like you said, the video is fantastic. For me, it really just hinges on the fact that that video... That is central to the story is not creepy, then it's not going to work. And it, the video is so creepy; it's it, so well done. It is that's uh, really the first time we saw this movie, and you know, you saw the video. I'm like, yeah, that is creepy.
1: Of course, that's not the only thing. I mean, when they oh, when they no. show the first, you know, corpse, right? The niece, and you're like, oh, what happened to her face? Yeah. Oh my god! Just and for then,
0: a, just for a split second,
1: and then when Samara comes out of the TV, oh my god!
0: Yeah, and what's cool is when you play, I guess. We haven't done this uh, ourselves, but on the DVD, if you play the movie frame by frame in the exact moment at the beginning there when she's scared to death, you can see all the images that appear on the video. Each image appears for just a fraction of a second. Ooh. So that that's that's pretty cool. And uh, I, I don't know if it's still the case, but as of, just, as of just a few years ago, this was the highest grossing horror remake in history.
1: Wow. With
0: a worldwide gross of almost $250 million dollars. So yeah. It's
1: a great movie and you know I, I remember I think it's better than the original. Oh, we, we've said is. that before. We've said that before, I think right. it's
0: better than Ringu. I do. I think it's just paced uh, better. The performances are better. It just feels creepier.
1: Yeah. Gore Verbinski directed it and uh and you know to be honest with you, I it's my favorite of his films and I think um, he does so much, not just with the pacing and not just with the visuals, but, you know, and I've said this before, there's a scene where where Naomi Watts is kind of digging through Brian Cox's living room and there's a lighthouse and the light just goes around and illuminates him over in the corner and then goes away and comes back around. I mean, there so it's just, uh, and the horse, the scene with yeah. the horse, the way they edit that together, yeah. you know, and I remember at the time being so shocked to find out that this film was PG-13 because I, it's scary. It is.
0: It, you really think about it, PG-13 horror films and has has that been? Have we done that? We've done that.
1: No, we haven't. But we haven't? we've kicked it around. We'll do it okay. one of these days.
0: This is right up there because I'm with you. It really seemed intense. You know, it's not like it's really bloody, but it's just intense.
1: It is. Yeah. Well, it's scary. Yeah. She's scary when she comes out, and not just not just the big body that, which is actually a man that comes out of the well, but the little girl. The little she little does girl. such a great job at being creepy. And even though you don't see
0: them very long, the the killed faces. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they are they are scary, and I didn't know this, but. At the beginning of the marketing for the movie, before the movie came out, they tried to do a little Blair Witch thing. They tried to promote the movie that way, getting a viral thing going by they placed copies of a mysterious, quote, killer tape at concerts and events, and then the tape directed people to a website that supposedly was written by a pedophile who'd seen the tape, was now trying to warn others about his impending fate. And this was the same character, played by Chris Cooper in the movie that was deleted. Oh, all of that was deleted. Interesting. Yeah. So then this website contained links that led to other movie related mock ups and things like that. But then it, the word got out and DreamWorks deleted all the web pages. They denied ever having anything to do with them. But apparently they tried to do a little, a little Blair Witch kind of viral thing going.
1: How weird. Yeah. I wonder why they got rid of it all.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe
1: because they pulled Chris Cooper's entire character. Well, that
0: could be. That could be. Yeah, I'd I'd be interested in seeing that Mm -hmm. in a director's cut if it has all that, because apparently it's got quite a backstory. Because he wants uh, Naomi Watts' character Rachel to help clear his name, Mm. and so then he becomes. And I guess he is seen. Chris Cooper's face is seen in a newspaper just very quickly in the movie when a a coffee cup is moved Hmm. that's been sitting on a newspaper. So, but that would be interesting to see that backstory. But uh, yeah. Single parent and not a very good one. No, uh, is number five on our list, uh, and it came in. And who did? Which movie did it edge out that you had at number five?
1: We are what we are, which is a great movie. Yeah. It's a brilliant movie, and but it's it. You know, it, it was the idea of the single parent. So so, and and it's the the Mexican original, although the American remake is very good too, and has you know some similar issues where one parent finds themselves widowed, and there is a particular religious ritual that requires the second parent and so then the kids have to step up even though they don't really want to i mean if you've never seen i mean either of them are great the the original spanish language we are what we are is absolutely brilliant um but you know i mean it doesn't really hinge on uh, the single parent this is actually a fairly small part but uh it is the the lack of the second parent that that causes kind of the you know kicks off the narrative and there was just
0: somebody the other day on the uh, Columbus Horror Society Facebook page that mentioned, and I, I forget their name, and I, I was trying to find it, but uh, who mentioned that they had just seen the,
1: the Ameri- remake, the, yeah.
0: Ameri- the remake, and uh, and liked it. And then I posted, I commented, "Well, you've got to check out the Spanish language original." And they said, "Oh, do I really want to do that?" <laughs> I said, "Yeah, yeah, you do, because yeah. I, I think it is better."
1: Oh, yeah, and, and you know, and it's it's very very. Different. I mean, it's different enough to make it worth watching. Not like I mean, it's just a it's a different storyline completely. Um, there are some similarities that are that are fairly obvious, but I mean, it's different enough. It's it's absolutely an enjoyable other viewing. Yeah. So that was
0: going to be number five and definitely worth checking out. But the ring knocked it out. And moving up to number four, this is a recent one from 2014. One we've talked about before. We love it. It's Good Night, Mommy.
1: No the movie that started the conversation with my friend Angela um, she had just seen it for the first time and she really liked it and uh, I, we love it for a million reasons of course creepy twins always <laughs> awesome um, and and just the way um, you know kind of like it's kind of like Rachel the you know the single parent her skills are questionable which yes. is I think one of the things that generates the most tension in the film right is that he sort of Everybody nobody is 100% sympathetic. Everybody is like, what what is their deal, you yeah. know? And um and that makes the whole movie uncomfortable.
0: Mm-hmm. Very much so. And you talk about the uh the twins, the the boys. I guess 240 twins auditioned for those roles, wow. 240. And the the two uh boys that got the parts, the names of the boys are the same as the names of the actors who play them. Mm-hmm. Just kind of keep that going. But they're great. The whole movie has an air of creepiness about it, and there are just so many sequences of visuals. Whether it's the, them wearing those masks, oh yeah, or her with her face bandaged oh, absolutely.
1: up, you know, just just creepy, like you say, things that just aren't right. And just what a little I love, off-kilter. you know, they don't they don't try to explain those visuals. You know, there's a there's a point in the film where the boys are sort of exploring, and they're walking in a cave over you know human remains and and they never mm-hmm. circle back to t- or there's those big bugs they have in their house. Oh, I know. What is the deal with these big bugs? They never <laughs> tell us, which is fine. It just it's just a uh, just these really powerful, haunting, weird images uh, that just feed the overall atmosphere of the movie, which is also filmed gorgeously.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because at the bottom line of the credits, I think it's the last thing in the credits, it just says, shot on glorious 35mm. Yeah, and it does look great. It is a beautiful
1: movie. And of course, the whole
0: theme is the fact that the mom has had surgery, facial surgery, and her her, uh, entire face is bandaged up from this surgery. And then the boys become convinced that it's not really their mother. That's right, that that's not who came home. Yeah, and she has is angrily denies this, and it's kind of a, a back and forth. And there's so much discussion about the twist, quote-unquote, and spoiler alert, we're going to try not to say anything, but that's what a lot of the conversation about this movie, where it's centered. Some people are mad because they can see it coming, c- coming early on, but then... You know, our uh, senior filmmaking correspondent, Jason Tostevin has argued, and I agree, that it doesn't matter. No. It doesn't matter at no. all whether you see it coming or you don't. In no. fact, it might even work better if you do. And that that was planned. That you should see it coming.
1: Yeah, and and I and I give him credit. I think that that he is correct. I was somebody. I I did see it coming from. There was a little a couple of clues early in the film, and and then, but it the the film still managed to surprise me routinely. It's like right. they set you up to wait for this one twist, and then they just throw these other surprises at you. It is a very unusual film and it is it's a very satisfying film and, and the
0: way it's put together it's put together so skillfully that you can't convince me that this director didn't know that anyone who has seen a certain amount of films he's not go is not going to be surprised and that's okay it right. doesn't sink the
1: movie no not at all it's not one of those films that that you know relies on a twist ending you right. know it's not like you know but there he was dead the whole time. It's not one of those Sixth Sense kind of things where it, it relies on something like that. Right. It really doesn't.
0: But there are too many people, that I think, get caught up in the fact that, oh, I saw that coming. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: yeah. Maybe you were supposed no, to. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And if you don't see it coming, well, All that's okay, too. We very much um, encourage you to see this movie, uh, Goodnight, Mommy, is a good one. And that's our number four.
1: Uh, yeah. That's just from a couple of years ago. There are a couple that didn't make the list that I think are worth a mention may throw in here for a second because Child's Play was one of the first ones that I thought of and I know you're not a big fan of that movie no. and it's not a great movie but um but it, so Child's Play and then also The Bad Seed which we've talked about before uh, it, to throw back old movie yeah. and it's funny in in that one she's not technically a single parent she is married but her husband is gone and as soon as her husband is out of the picture that's when the Weird things start happening, so it's almost a statement about the necessity of a, of a of a male presence. Okay, and I, didn't I see think that. you get a bit of that in Child's Play as well, especially the the Chris Sarandon character. You almost feel like he thinks, you know, this kid wouldn't be seeing things. Anyway, they're both decent films, and and they both generate a lot of attention, a, a lot of tension based on the fact that you know there's not a man around, uh, which is interesting. Um, and then another one that uh, I liked. And and I liked the way they used the idea that the mother was unmarried was the remake of Fright Night, which I think I like more than most people do. I thought it was fine. Yeah, w- I, the one with Colin Farrell.
0: Yeah, I I thought it was fine, and boy, it just bombed. It did sank like a stone, which was unfortunate because I I thought it was pretty well done.
1: Yeah, and and you know in um in the original. Charlie Brewster is upset because this vampire next door is kind of, you know, making time with his girl, right? Mm-hmm. But in the remake it's interesting because the vampire manages to kind of get in the the house, get in sort of the, by flirting with his single mother, mm-hmm. Tony Collette. Yeah. And I, and I liked that twist. I thought it was I thought it was clever yeah. and uh, and you know, the casting doesn't hurt.
0: I know. Yeah, Colin Farrell and Tony Collette always good. So yeah, I agree with you. I thought that one was pretty well done. All right, so moving up to or is there anything else you want to mention? Nope. Okay. Uh, moving up to number 3, one that we just saw even though technically it has a release year of last year. Uh, we just saw it this year and it's under the shadow. <laughs>
1: This is an Iranian film, and which was actually shot in Jordan, by the way. And that's not a huge surprise, I right. think. But um, it's based in Iran, uh, in Tehran during the Iran Iraq Civil War, and uh, and and again, in in this case, the mother isn't technically single, but her husband, right. who was- is a doctor, has been sent. To uh, to work so that he can keep his license, he has to go work with uh, the military. So
0: much time every year that he has to devote to to the military, and so yeah, you're right. I was going to say that obviously you have to make that exception in this movie too because because she's not unmarried, but
1: she's alone. Right, and that um and that is actually when all of the tension really hits. Right, right, and because I think a lot of the a lot of this film is metaphorical. Um, I think that that's an important point to make and and it's really hammered home because she's a woman alone making decisions trying to cope in the 80s in iran right and and that is uh, that's the shadow that hangs over the film and in and it really i mean the the film is never heavy-handed but but the um terror is is so much more palpable because and in one particular scene, so so what happens is her daughter starts kind of seeing this imaginary friend and even the daughter knows that maybe it's not really a friend and then the you know, this very uh, overwrought, you know, put-upon mother is 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 kind of impatient about it, and then eventually she starts to think there's something to this as well. So at one point, she's convinced that there is some sort of a ghoul in the apartment. She grabs her daughter in the middle of the night. They run out into the street, and she's arrested mm-hmm. because what she should be afraid of is being seen in public while she's bearing so much skin.
0: Yeah, well, just basically because she doesn't have her head covered. Yeah, she does Right. That was the main thing, and yeah. So that, and that's the authorities tell her that should have been her main concern when she left the house, was her main concern. So you're right. There's, your, there's double meanings here of what she's under the shadow of. Yes. What's holding, what's keeping her down. And also there's themes of war. That's also very prevalent. Mm-hmm. But it's very much not... What's on the surface, and and that, in in looking at some some conversations about this movie, that's what bothered people. The same way it bothered another movie that we'll talk about here soon that shares some similarities with this movie. That I don't know, some audiences just want it all shown, and then just want it all right in their face, yeah, and easy to understand scares. Which this, you know, this movie is not terrifying, but it certainly has creepy sequences in it. It, it does, and then. The more the themes are underneath that for some audiences that that can be that can weigh even heavier, uh, a, you know, after the movie is over.
1: Yeah, I think I mean, the um, ghoul I and mean, there are several different images that she sees and she's not sure why they're in her apartment and she's not really sure if she's seeing them. But one of these images is basically a big flapping burqa. And, and, and this voice, this friend that the daughter hears, it's not like it's another child. It's a, it's another woman who thinks who can, that she could be a better right, mommy. Exactly. And so basically this, you know, the mother is facing, it. it's, it's, it's so much a fear of what her daughter's future might be like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and that, you know, uh, that is a scary, scary concept. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very powerful image. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's a very effective movie and um not one that, that everybody's gonna love, but um I would I, both of us would would recommend it. And and the single parentness, even though as we said, she's technically married. She's married, but she's but alone. For the movie she's single is very central to the heart of this as it is to another movie we're gonna talk about soon. But so that's number three, Under the Shadow from twenty fifteen. We'll go back a ways for number two, the classic psycho. <laughs>
1: Is anyone at home? Oh, that uh, that must be my mother. It's not as if she were a a maniac. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly.
0: Well, it's an all-time classic. It's one that we could talk about probably for the entirety of the podcast oh no doubt it's it's so good and and so well done it's alfred hitchcock after all and one of the one of the great things about it was that i just found out one of the tools that hitchcock employs to make that kind of bring the viewers into a voyeuristic nature of the movie is he used a, a 55 millimeter lens on a 35 millimeter camera so it gives the closest approximation to human vision Wow. Um, and in the scenes where Norman is is spying on Marion mm-hmm. to, to get this almost subliminal, subconscious, voyeuristic feeling, you know, little things like that. Just, man, that's genius.
1: Oh, well, that's he was right. He was an absolute when, genius when
0: something makes you feel a certain way and you're not even sure why, mm-hmm. you know, but it does. It's very voyeuristic and, and creepy. But of course, the single mother that we're talking about is Mrs. Bates.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's it's not like she's
0: really a presence in the film. Right, but it's very, the movies, the narrative hinges on her presence, which may or may not be there.
1: And the fact that she and Norman had always been alone. It right. had always just been the two of them. And, you know, and, and you have to wonder how much of his disposition, his behavior, is is colored by his having been smothered by his mom and his his potentially unhealthy attachment to his mom and 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 of course obviously she, yeah she's she is a tremendous presence in the film even though she's not actually even in the film
0: yeah and you can just take it apart frame by frame shot by shot and just the way things are set up um this was talked a lot about in the recent HBO documentary true um a true Foe, yeah, uh, on on Hitchcock and they talked to some Modern-day directors that, of course, love Hitchcock and uh, Scorsese was going on and on just about the scenes where uh, Marion Crane, uh, Janet Leigh, is driving away and she's in the car and the way the camera is positioned, just on her face with only like half of the steering wheel showing. I mean, Scorsese went on and on and just about the way that shot was framed, mm-hmm. you know, and you can so many things like that, the way the the way the movie is assembled and little things like before she takes the money, there are scenes that show Marion wearing a white bra and carrying a white purse. After she takes the money, it's a black bra and a black purse. <laughs> you know, just things like that that get, get those subliminal little subconscious messages constantly. And every little thing is done, you know, with such a purpose uh, by by Hitchcock and really by all good directors. Uh, there's a reason. You know, things don't happen by accident. Um, and it, it just adds up to that feeling of the entire movie. It's very voyeuristic and it all leads to especially when the movie was new and they didn't know how the movie was going to end just such a terrifying climax when he pulls that chair around oh
1: yeah and and uh, one of the things that i think is most fascinating and it's it's you know a lot of it has to do with the screenplay a lot of it has to do with the direction but also and the music. on the music but also um anthony perkins performance yeah he's so sympathetic And and even though Mrs. Bates isn't there to defend herself by the end of the film, she's really the villain. She's dead and he killed her. But she's really the villain in this film, which I think is fairly fascinating.
0: Yeah, it's it's psychological and it's creepy and it's terrifying. And I remember my mom telling me when she first saw that movie in the theater, that final scene, well, the final reveal, not the final scene the final re- reveal of mrs bates in the basement just scared the bejesus out <laughs> of them. you know because audiences up to that point that hadn't read cuz i think it was a novel first mm-hmm. that hadn't read the novel didn't know right. they didn't know that shocking ending and so they thought that was going to be a woman down there and so yeah it just i i, I can see that i oh, bet absolutely. they just freaked them out mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the voice is so great too mrs bates's yeah. voice and, you know, the way it, the the shower scene is so iconic, the way, mm-hmm. the way that was shot, everything about it. And I guess one of the reasons that Hitchcock wanted to make it in black and white, uh, that he thought it might be too gory in color. He'd mm. get away with more. I, you, yeah, I can know, see that. Without the blood being red. Yeah, I can see that, too. But, you know, that shot and then. The shot where he kills uh, Martin Balsam at the top of the stairs, the way the the camera is up above, and then you see him falling down the stairs. Love all
1: that stuff. Oh, yeah. Everything about it. Everything about it.
0: But you're right. It comes back to the fact that a single parent, that's why we're talking about it in this countdown, the single parent relationship between Mrs. Bates and Norman is central to what transpires
1: exactly and their relationship and and how norman can't let go of really the only parent the only family and kind of the only social interaction that he ever had he's crippled after that's gone
0: yeah so just an all-time classic for so many reasons uh we could probably find a way to fit it in almost any uh category that we come up with really but uh number two from 1960 psycho and that leaves room at the top and this is the one that is similar to goodnight mommy and one that gets a lot of the same criticism wrongly we think and that is from 2014 the babadook
1: you can't get rid of the babadook <laughs>
0: this is one of those movies that has come out in the last few years that's gotten such critical acclaim that then you have the certain segment of horror movie haters haters that just it doesn't work for them and they come out of that going what it's not scary what's the big deal and we've we've broken this down before with the witch with it follows where we talk about it's a combination of marketing of expectation about what other horror movies have kind of conditioned audiences to expect as far as red herrings and jump scares mm-hmm. and that a movie like this just doesn't register with a certain segment. And I think that is too bad because this one
1: is brilliant. Oh, I can't agree more. I think that this movie is so great and it's, it's very similar to under the shadow, although it's filmed. It's, it's much more of an outright horror film. Uh, the way that it's filmed, you know, uh, is sort of, not heavy-handedly, but it exaggerates corners and shadows in a way that it in, in certain ways, m- mimics a child's imagination, And which is important because, the, you know, the c- central, to the story, central to the film is this book, "The Baba Duck," that they've found, which is super
0: creepy. Oh, and you know what's great is because and I wish wish now, get in on this the movie had a campaign where you could buy a copy of the pop-up book for 80 bucks. And the first two thousand are numbered and signed by Jennifer Kent, wow, the director, and it contains pop-up pictures and additional pages not seen in the movie. Now, I guess this was only open for a limited amount of time, and it's no longer available. You know what? I'm just I'm just going to check on eBay and just see how much some of these are going for. Because <laughs> how sweet would that? Oh, be? Oh, it
1: would be awesome! Just
0: fantastic. It's and 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 it's it's one where you know not only the sing the single parent theme is so central to the movie because the fact that she is a single parent and she is grieving over that fact is so important to understanding what's going on underneath the surface. Right. What the movie is about and what it's not about. And here's another great thing about Jennifer Kent. She has said that uh, she will not allow any sequel to be made because it's not that kind of film. I don't care how much I'm offered. Yes. Good for you. Thank you. Uh, and when we've talked about this movie before as well, I've mentioned the uh, short film that it came from. is called Monster, which is on YouTube. Check it out if you haven't. Um, it's, more, it's more direct about what the theme is, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and it's very good. Now, I like the, the main movie better. And sometimes, you know, taking that short and expanding it out to a feature-length movie, sometimes you lose. Some movies are just better as a short. Mm-hmm. This one is not. This one is so good because it makes you think, and, and and unfortunately I think it gets people to think, maybe before they went to see it, that there is an actual monster they're going to see at the end. We're going to see this movie, kill some people, and devour some people and that's not what this is about.
1: No, and it's funny, the the metaphor is so close to the surface of this film that I think it I think it irritates people, but I also think it's a very uncomfortable notion because it really explores um a, a woman who is grappling with her not only her anxiety, but her her whether or not she's able to sort of swallow her distaste, her dislike of her own son and her situation. Right, and how the the grief of her situation
0: is making her angry at what's been put upon her Mm -hmm. and the fact that she's taking that out on her son makes her ashamed and how she can live with that.
1: That's right, And and it's a vicious circle because then, of course, her son reacts badly to... Because he's also without his father. All he has in the world is his mother, and so he reacts in a way that is... Uh, sort of overpowering A bit angry And very very needy And this just You know Keeps the circle going And the thing is First of all Both performances Are absolutely magnificent Oh man
0: And I guess uh, Essie Davis Who plays the mom She and Jennifer Kent Went to drama school together Oh And uh, we've said before That the local group Here in Ohio That we're both members of The Central Ohio Film Critics Association We have awards every year And the year this came out Our entire group Voted Essie Davis Best actress Yep
1: and I stand by that. I
0: do, too. It was, I, I love that, that the group did that. And then um, Noah Wiseman
1: plays the boy, and he's also absolutely wonderful. And what's interesting is that both characters, they, they aren't incredibly easy to like. You know, and I think that that can be a, a challenge for some actors because I think it's only natural to try to make people like you, mm-hmm. and, and and for a kid that young to be able to perform this believably, I think is amazing.
0: Yeah, and no less um, a director than William Friedkin has said that it's the most terrifying film he's seen. Yeah, it's, uh-huh. I
1: mean, it's an amazing, amazing film, and kind of like The Ring, a lot of it depends on that book it depends on the book and the book delivers the book
0: delivers and she was jennifer kent was also quoted as saying that the original idea for the film she said i have a friend who's a single mother Mm -hmm. whose son was traumatized by this monster figure that he thought he saw everywhere in the house so then she took that idea and thought what if that happened quote on some level Mm -hmm. so that that's what's very important um on some level and uh like why I actually commented on somebody again on the Columbus Horror Society Facebook page. Uh, somebody had mentioned that they just didn't like it at all, and I, you know, you don't want to get in a fight with these people because if you can't tell somebody you're stupid. No, you know, it just say you know what, I'm sorry you didn't appreciate it. I'm, uh, I'm I am, and I'm because I love it so much right. and I think it's so well done that I, I hate, I hate to hear when it doesn't connect with people. I think like it should, but.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we talked about this before. It's hard to dismiss somebody's dis- dislike of a horror film because yeah. it's just like a comedy. But a so comedy, often that either happens. you think it's funny or you don't, and it's right. very and horror is very much like that. Either something scares you, mm-hmm. you know, or it doesn't. We've talked about the original Blair Witch Project before. Right. A lot of people think it's the most boring movie in the history of the world. Yeah. I watch horror films all day, every day. Love them. Nothing ever scared me as much as the Blair Witch Project because I'm afraid of the woods. But so that- it just pushed all the right buttons. So this movie is going to be the same way for certain people, like my friend Angela. It's going to push. The those buttons. But then there's a movie like
0: uh, Lights Out, which just came out, which I thought was so boring. It was nothing but jump scares. Right. And it made a zillion dollars. <laughs> and it's going to get, you know, and it's going to get a sequel because some people, you know, in my estimation, unfortunately, thrive to that or and, and make a movie like that thrive, which just means we're going to get more of it.
1: Right. Which, I mean, you know, you can say the same thing about bad comedies. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, but it's it's okay, you know, it's okay because what scares you scares you, and there's no reason you shouldn't be able to find it. I yeah, like jump scares. Yeah, that's
0: true. But well, see, jump scares done right, right, like The Conjuring. You've talked about that exactly. We could we should have a whole. We should have. Hey, there's a podcast. Jump scares jump done scares right. Okay, and why they're why they're important.
1: I got to get my pen out. So ding, jump ding, scares, ding. and what's the other did one? A, oh, mutant animals and jump scares.
0: Yeah, mutant animals and jump scares. So so, uh, but uh, you know what? If you're in the other camp, please let us know um, on Twitter. We we have great conversations and we love it. So we're at Mad Wolf, M A D D W O L F on Twitter, Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook. You can always hit us up on the Golden Spiral Media site as well uh, that hosts the the uh, podcast here. We appreciate that. Plenty of ways to get a hold of us and we hope you do because especially with the Baba Duck and Under the Shadow, I know that there are very polarizing opinions mm-hmm. and uh, and we love to hear them. So please do that. And We'd love to talk about it in person too. If you want to Come step on out, step on out uh, Wednesday night, the ninth, out at the Gateway Film Center, we're going to be there for Fright Club Live, our favorite weirdos, horror weirdos. <laughs> that should be fun, and we'll do the um, we'll do the happy hour, and then we'll do the podcast taping, and we'll do the actual movie itself. May, uh, so we look forward to that. And um, what is that's going to be the next. Obviously the next category. And then after that, maybe one of these that we just dreamt up, huh
1: maybe so. We're also kicking around We haven't done a, a region of the world for a while, so we might uh, we might pull in one of those or we might have the lovely people from in the record studio oh, podcast on. That's
0: right and Grant, Vince and Grant who uh, they invited us on I uh, hope you got a chance to hear it, their Halloween episode. we we posted it on our Facebook Mm -hmm. and everything, Twitter Twitter. as well. Mm -hmm. They invited us on for their Halloween episode where we talked about our favorite horror movie scores. That was fun. And that was fun because their podcast talks about albums and music and things like that. So that was great. So we're going to return the favor uh, here soon and talk about Black and White, favorite Black and White movies when we can get them in here and record. So we're working on that. So lots to come, lots to... uh, get excited about. It. We appreciate it. We hope to see you on Wednesday night. And until then,
1: I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends.